This is George Newbern, the voice of Superman. This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. And you're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming at DCAUReview.com and on your favorite podcast app. Destroy Superman and the Justice League. Oh, help us. Don't worry about me. Stop them. I always do. Here's the plan. What plan? We kick their butts, right? Let's get this over with. I would enjoy this. Too much curiosity can be dangerous. Maybe I like danger. We've got to stop it before it's too late. Stay down. Give me strength. Let's move. Justice League. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 187 of the DCAU Review. I am one of your hosts, Cal, and with me, my good friend, good brother, and the man that runs our Twitter account. That's right. It's Liam. Liam, we have turned the page. We're officially in the holiday season. And that, of course, means since we've turned the calendar page and we're entering the last month of the year, we are uh, going to start a different series than we reviewed last month, but we had a nice little segue last week uh, as we wrapped up our static shock coverage. And uh, coincidentally, we're celebrating, we just passed the 20 year anniversary of the premiere of this series, but uh, welcome to episode 187 of the DCAU Review. That is right. And as uh, as we have talked about a little bit last week uh, with our, our static shock Justice League crossover episode that we reviewed last week, which if you didn't hear, you can always check us out on the Pod Tower YouTube channel or, of course, on your favorite podcast app. But that did transition us nicely into a month, a somewhat abbreviated month of original Justice League, the animated series, uh, the original one, not unlimited this time, going back to the original seven here. And in fact, a few less than seven in, in this particular episode we're reviewing today. But uh, yeah, with the, with the 20th anniversary, we kind of looked around and with that anniversary looming and also combined with, uh, we have a f- very few episodes of this version of Justice League left to talk about. Some of which, uh, as I think I mentioned last week, we are intentionally holding back for uh, for future themed months that we might do in, in the next year or so. But uh, in the meantime, we still had a few uh, episodes that we needed to cross off the list, so to speak. And uh, we got a pretty memorable one to talk about here today with War World Parts 1 and 2. That is right. Uh, very excited to talk about this one with you, Liam. Personal memories. This was one of the ones that uh, we actually had maybe just part two. Do we have both parts of this one? So originally we de- definitely just had part two. And then I think later on we got part one on, on like a different tape. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, there, I had definitely, I thought about that as, as I was uh, rewatching it for the show this week is that we had, I had definitely seen part two many, many more times than I had seen part one. So it created a, an interesting uh, first half uh, that we will get into in a few moments here. 
That's right. But this one is one we we saw quite often. So it was interesting to go back and watch this. I hadn't seen it. Uh, I don't know. And maybe since I probably skipped over them when the DVDs uh, came out. So uh, I, I haven't hadn't seen it in, in a while now. But when this originally debuted, we had seen it quite often. So uh, getting into the debut dates here, actually, in just a second, as we uh, prepare for our official IMDb synopsis for this week's pair of episodes, which is always exciting because you get a pair of synopses with this. Uh, so these episodes, Liam, originally aired on Cartoon Network back on February the 24th, 2002. And then uh, at the time they were splitting them up. That's how we ended up with only one of the parts. So you would get one part one week and then the second part would premiere the next week. So with that part two premiered on March the 3rd, 2002, meaning we're coming up here on the 20 year anniversary of these episodes debuting. That's right. And uh, we'll, of course, be getting into our four main categories in a moment here. But I must start us off with this uh, IMDb synopsis. Actually, I've got two, of course, because we have two parts here. Uh, and that is for World War World World. Easy for me to say. Parts one and two written by Stan Berkowitz, directed by Butch Lukic, with music by Lolita Ritmanis and animation by Coco. And those synopses read as such. While handling an asteroid in space, Superman and John Jones are captured and banished to War World, a planet where combatants are forced to duel to the death. And for part two. Fight promoter and new contestant Mongol instructs Superman to throw a fight against him or he'll destroy the enslaved Draga's home planet. All right. I think part one was pretty much perfect if you, as you can get for one. Part two eh, is fast and loose with the details of the episode. I don't think he's not a willing participant. He does become a participant, but Mongol's reason for becoming a participant is a little bit more layered than they let on there. But uh, yeah, those are, those are okay. When it comes to IMDb synopses, those are okay. We are grading on a curve for our IMDb synopsis, <laughs> such as we do. I think those are those are all right. But yeah, we can uh, we can jump into plot here. So, as our synopses for part one said, yes, it's we open with Superman and the Martian Manhunter uh, trying to doing some uh, some destruction work, some uh, demolition work, trying to blow up this asteroid. Uh, but they did not realize that I guess there was a noxious gas that is held within it. Ready for the fireworks? Ready. Oh no, Superman! The computer says there are hydrogen pockets inside that asteroid. Get away from there before it... John! Superman! Come in! Uh, it yeah, gave me some deep impact and Armageddon vibes. To be oh honest. yeah, weird <laughs> that those movies came out at like the same time, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Uh, I think Bruce Willis was in Armageddon, and I can't remember who was in Deep Impact, but same idea. But Ethan Hawke, I want to say, I oh, I've never seen. Be. I've never seen either of them. Yeah, I'm not going to look add, it up to see if I'm right or not. Who does that DCAU review with all your deep impact <laughs> and Armageddon 
uh, fan theories. Or... Which was the superior asteroid film of 1997? <laughs> Please let us know. <laughs> that and more pressing questions will be answered this week on the DCAU. <laughs> uh, but yes, as, uh, as, as you said, they're there. And in the process of them blowing up this giant asteroid, they are caught in a larger than expected explosion, which knocks them out at which point their bodies are recovered by scavengers who we find out are working for the despotic Mongol, who of course we sort of did these out of order, but we had we have previously re- uh, reviewed his other appearance in the DCAU, that being in the absolute classic for the man who has everything, uh, which of course you can hear our review of back in the archives at dcaureview.com or on your favorite podcast app. But uh, yeah, we have a kind of the first appearance of Mongol and we kind of get a, a stri- we sort of figure out very quickly that uh, we're, we're going to do gladiator, right? We're doing, <laughs> we're, that is we're, basically what we do here. Correct. So, yeah. The, we, so, I mean, there's, there's a little bit more to it. Superman and Jean are, are you know, still kind of weak and, and then, uh, you know, they're setting up that uh, the Drega, this champion of the world world Coliseum has kind of been dispatching all of his foes so quickly that the crowd is, uh, is starting to kind of turn on on the the war world. Coliseum fights, which uh, makes Mongol nervous as the leader, who is, of course, much like uh, Caesar, some of the, the Roman emperors of the past used his use is using these fights to distract uh, his people, as Superman says in, in part two, from like things that they actually need, like food, housing, and medicine. <laughs> so uh, just, you know, just a few minor things, but uh, <laughs> just so a he's, of course, a little bit upset, but uh, his, uh, his kind of second in command, a little bit, just, just a touch there. No modern, uh, no modern uh, subtext to <laughs> the idea of uh, using entertainment to distract from uh, from actual real world problems. Anywho, uh, <laughs> but uh, Mongols sort of second in command uh, lets him know his bib fortuna, if you will, right. is uh, is there to uh, is there to let him know that Drega will have a new challenger in this Kryptonian, and uh, we we sort of set up this fight for the finale of part one. Um, there's a little bit of some subplotting Martian Manhunter for reasons that are not explained is, ever. is not ever hurt. explained. <laughs> they are not ever drawn upon or understood as to why he is incapable of using his powers for longer than a few minutes. He says the atmos- something in the atmosphere is sapping my strength. I would have just said he got injured in the explosion. Like I would have just said that like, you know, all of the fire, he's you know he's weak against fire damage as as we know so i think could have just yeah i could have just said that 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 would have been perfectly fine or you could have and and this also leads to what ultimately a lot of people yeah bruce tim uh very famously in the commentary i think for this episode on the dvd release mentioned that this episode was one of the worst received by fans um, in in that first season of Justice League. And, and one of the major re- reasons is, and we talked about it before, but some of the earlier episodes of Justice League, they intentionally made Superman a bit of a wuss uh, or a bit of a depowered <laughs> superhero, which 
if you're going to do that, I feel like there has to be a specific reason. And to me, and we'll discuss, I, we can get to it when we get to the end of our plot discussion here, but I feel like there was a very easy way to do that with Superman. With Jean, who was your second most overpowered character, I think it would have been just as easy to not include Jean in this episode or to have him swap him out with Green Lantern and have Green Lantern's ring dead or something like that. It would have been a little bit easier. I know they're setting up the, you know, as we get into the episode, they are very much laying the groundwork for future romance between Jon Stewart and and Shaira. Mm -hmm. But still, you kind of backed yourself into a corner with having to explain away why your two most overpowered superheroes on the team are essentially useless or not able to use their powers or made to look like weaklings for the majority of the two episodes. Yeah, I do think that's that's kind of a, an issue that, as you said, probably could have been avoided if we did a little mixing and matching. Yeah, maybe that would affect the the Green Lantern and Hawkgirl subplot. That is, those are the only other two leaguers in this episode is... Uh, Hawkgirl was kind of monitoring the the asteroid destruction that went wrong, and then she and Green Lantern decide to kind of strike out on the on. So I guess at this point, is the javelin shuttle that they fly around in is that like a prototype? It's like is that the only one? I don't know. It it see it, it looked like it kind of got destroyed in that opening shot, but it's clearly not. So. So they must have the propensity, right? So it, this isn't the last episode the javelin appears in, though. So they must be able to build another one, <laughs> which begs the question why they don't have a second one, I guess, because Green Lantern and Hawkgirl have to fly out using his ring and he ends up, you know, that, that becomes kind of a point of contention where they sort of get lost after they initially find the site where the asteroid exploded and the wreckage of the javelin, but can't really pick up a trail of where they went. So they... They end up on this world kind of looking for answers and kind of get hoodwinked by this thug who promises to take them to War World. But then, uh, you know, uh, kind of double crosses them as we'll get to that a little bit more in part two. But yeah, they 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 kind of I feel like there's a lot of this where you have to just go, well, I guess they just couldn't do that thing <laughs> that seems to make sense here. Like there's no second javelin at this point. There's no other way. Also, like. Okay, we'll get into that in part two. That's part two stuff. But uh, <laughs> yeah, the rest but, of part uh, the rest of part one sort of wraps up with with Superman ending up having to go against Draga, and uh, even though Superman is wildly overmatched at times, uh, and it isn't explained away just exactly why, he eventually, of course, overcomes and uh, is is quite ready to defeat Draga and the bloodthirsty crowd begins to turn on Draga who they were just uh, wildly cheering for moments before. And <laughs> they're insisting on Superman killing them and Mongol are insisting on Superman doing what you do in battle and on world world, which is you once your opponent is defeated, you kill them. And of course, Superman, uh, that <laughs> Superman doesn't do that. So, uh, well, at least the DCAU Superman doesn't do that. So he refuses <laughs> and, uh, and he, uh, the, the cliffhanger for part one is him being attacked by Mongols robots who he commands to destroy Superman. Well, what say you? It's unanimous, then. The people have spoken. Finish him. 
I refuse. You can't refuse. I order you to finish him. No. Do it. Give me a, an honorable death here on the battlefield. Sorry, but I can't. How can I live with this shame? Don't make me beg you. Finish me. Do as he says. This is your last chance. No. Then destroy him! No. Uh, if you think that lasers can, can kill Superman, boy, is that a heck of a cliffhanger. Uh, so the, the following week, of course, part two, we get uh, Superman... Uh, despite the fact that he is uh, beginning to be overpowered by these or overmatched by these robots, Mongol, uh, he, uh, you know, declares that he's not going to kill Mongol, or not going to kill Draga rather. And that Mongol and his second in command sort of have this conference where they're worried about losing uh, power over the large crowd and how it probably wouldn't sit well with them to have Mongol kill their brand new champion right on the spot here. So in a bit of a political move, he decides to allow Superman to live in that moment uh, and uh, brings both him and Draga back to uh, dump them in their prison cells uh, until he can have a proper meeting with Superman to kind of uh, let him know just how things go on world world. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's sort of the, the end of part one there is Superman is, thankfully spared as uh as he seemingly is about to be killed by these robots uh mongols security bots but uh jean sort of rallies the crowd to uh to chant and 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 chant for superman and and they sort of see him begin to see him as uh, a hero and and so the mongols advisor once again sort of tells him uh that that uh, maybe it wouldn't be wise to execute him in front of this crowd. And so Mongol, of course, has to let Superman live much to his chagrin. And uh, in the aftermath there, it's, it's mentioned that the, the rest of sort of the, the gladiators in, in the pits where they send Superman and Draga back to want to help Superman get off world and sort of sneak out on this garbage scowl that's going to drop him off on another inhabited world. But uh, Superman doesn't want to go, of course, because he doesn't want to leave uh, Martian Manhunter behind. And he does agree, just let them take an unconscious Drago uh, off planet. Um, so, <laughs> which kind of comes back to bite him a little bit later. But, um, but yeah, so we, we sort of set this up. Superman is, we see Superman kind of becoming like a, a little bit of like a folk hero on World World with, the, we see a kid sort of spray painting his symbol all over the, all over part of his his village or his city whatever it is and and they they sort of begin to get worried that uh that this could this could lead to revolution that you know that one man could instill you know enough enough unrest in this society to finally rise up against mongol which uh, mongol has to quickly kibosh thankfully and one would question why he didn't lead with this he has a death star <laughs> that he can just use and he threatens superman with blowing up his planet uh with said death star laser a laser that can decimate a planet and uh superman tells him well you're too late krypton's already been blown up and 
So Mongol says that, well, you know, I once threatened Draga with this, this laser, so why don't I just blow up his home world anyway? The people want fights. That's what I give them. You're just giving them a cheap substitute for what they really need, like food, housing, and medicine. No one talks to me that way. No? That wasn't your name they were chanting out there. It was mine. Someone else once said that to me. It was Draga. The mob loved him, and he wanted to change things too. But I convinced him the old ways were best. How? Show him. Its power can decimate a planet. And that's exactly what I would have done to Draga's if he hadn't cooperated. I can do the same to your world. You're too late. Krypton's already gone. No matter. Any planet will do. Even Draga's. You can't. Oh, really? Now listen and listen carefully. If you want that planet spared, you're going to have one last fight against me. And you're going to lose badly. Understand? I thought so. Uh, and so Superman kind of agrees to take the fall for it. Meanwhile, those two dummies, Hot Girl and John Stewart, uh, just just the worst, dumbest people in this episode. They're so busy arguing with each other that they don't notice that one that this alien is clearly up to something. He puts up a like a plexiglass shield around them and then uh, unleashes knockout gas on them and then dumps them on a planet on a seemingly unhospitable planet and leaves them for dead. And thankfully they just happened by dumb luck to get dropped off on the same uh, like garbage dump planet that Draga had been dropped off on, which allows them to sort of team up to get back to world world. And finally, uh, GL and Hawkgirl get to do something useful in this episode, uh, which is uh, they they help Jean blow up the Death Star. That's right. Uh, they they find their way to World World uh, with Draga. Actually, they bring Draga, who they of course run into on the garbage planet. He promises uh, to uh, to lead them to World World, and uh, boy, that's hard to say three times fast. War World. And uh, <laughs> meanwhile, in the meantime, I don't think we, we talked about it, but uh, Draga has decided to uh, irreparably maim himself uh, for life uh, because of his shame and defeat in, at Superman's hands. He wasn't too happy about being dropped off on the garbage planet either. So his first step uh, once he is dropped on the planet is to immediately brand himself with an S on his chest uh, so that he never forgets the shame. I guess on his planet, the S stands for shame. Um, <laughs> maybe some good, good Snyderverse jokes going on here today. Like, yeah, man, really. We like those movies. <laughs> yeah, but we're just absolutely killing it. Just so we're not. We're doing high fives here. Healing, uh, healing the world with comedy. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so Draga. Uh, also double crosses John and Shayara because they didn't learn that you can't just trust any random alien uh, that you <laughs> that promises to help you out. And uh, Draga sucker punches John and falls from uh, from the sky, thankfully landing on a on a convenient awning and uh, bouncing to safety. So uh, he makes his way to the to the arena where 
uh, Mongol, as you had mentioned before, after threatening Superman uh, and, and letting him know he's going to to blow up Draga's Earth, he uh, he lets Superman know that he's going to use this opportunity to uh, have Superman throw a fight against him, so that Mongol sort of re- regains control and looks like the powerful uh, leader that he claims to be. So they get shipped to World World. As you mentioned, uh, John and, and Shaira finally arrive and, and reunite with Jean, who attempted to impersonate Mongol at one point to uh, decommission the, the Kirby cannon or Death Star, whichever you want to call it. <laughs> and, uh, unfortunately, that, that foiled very quickly as he was not able to maintain concentration because of I guess, again, the atmosphere or something. Again, not explained. Uh, But Draga uh, manages to sneak in and and take out a few guards and somehow, I guess, uh, takes out the right one because he's transported in the middle of this fight between Mongol and Superman just as Superman uh, is about to be uh, about to be destroyed apparently by Mongol. Uh, Draga shows up, <clears throat> and uh, he actually begins uh, <laughs> begins attacking Superman as well. Uh, so we have this we have this moment where it, uh, Superman tries to plead with Draga to explain to him that he has to lose in order to uh, lose to Mongol in order to save Draga's planet. Uh, in the meantime. Uh, the Death Star wannabe is exploded and blown up, and uh, Jean and and John and Shaira are able to get to Superman on World World, uh, just as Mongol looks like he's about to destroy Superman with a a classic line saying "Game over." But John Stewart reminds that in fact they are going into overtime because we're using all the sports metaphors for this one here. Hear what they think of their new hero now. Game over. Not yet. We're going into overtime. We destroyed his death ray. Draga's world is safe. Then all bets are off. You're mine. Uh, it's a real like Stallone, like <laughs> not not a tier Stallone either. Like this is like, you know, this is like ninety nine Stallone when he's like kind of when his powers are abdicating. But that's that's that type of uh, action movie one liner. But yeah, yeah, not not great. Uh, but this allows Superman to sort of begin uh, to to decide that he's going to now defeat Mongol. But wouldn't you know that Draga steps in at this point, decides that he needs to be the one to serve justice to Mongol. He begins kicking his kicking his ass all over war world. War, can't even say it all over war world and uh, and delivers a pretty awesome line as he uh, as he sh- delivers three very strong punches to Mongol's jaw, giving him the KO. As this happens, the crowd begins to chant for him to kill or finish Mongol, uh, but he decides that uh, he is not worthy or he doesn't deserve the honor. There's a lot of, in the last three minutes here, there's a lot of talking about honor and worthiness uh, going on here. And he, Draga sort of uh, wonders how, how it's possible that he could do this, having been shamed in, in losing and defeat and not, uh, not dying with honor as he had requested that Superman kill him in battle. And Superman lets him know that it's, it's not, uh, the real test of honor isn't how you die, it's how you live is the line that he gives. And 
Uh, that's kind of the bow on our story as the Justice League uh, fly off. And I guess we're just left to wonder what happens with Mon- We know the Mongol returns, but we don't know exactly what happened to him. I guess he was sent to the prison and eventually escaped. But uh, yeah, so that wraps up our, our episode. So I guess, Liam, we can begin discussing. We, we did a, a good job of talking about some of the things that we felt were plot holes throughout here. But um, I, w- I would tend to agree with most folks that uh, the, biggest, the biggest mistake, I think, was not giving a specific reason for Superman. At part two, you have a very specific reason for Superman to be not uh, not trying or to be overpowered uh, in this point. He's literally intentionally throwing the fight. He has a motivation to throw the fight, to look weak uh, in order to save this planet. Uh, if you gave him a similar uh, motivation or even a throwaway line in the first uh, in the first part, granted, there is some discussion as he tries to reason with Draga uh, in the middle of their initial fight, uh, but it, it's very quickly... Uh, it, decided that Draga doesn't want to listen. So Superman continues to just get the tar beat out of him. And we know that Superman is this it's the strongest being in, in the universe, more than likely. So there's no red sun here. There's no kryptonite. There's no reason. There's no real injury sustained in the original explosion that explains it away. I think that's the biggest mistake that was made was not really explaining why Superman was made to be a weakling, at least in the story. I think the writers have explained that it's hard to write for Superman uh, and not make him out to be this, you know, invincible, uh, untouchable hero. But it's still you have to find a balance here. And if you're going to make Superman the same Superman that was going up against Darkseid in the final episodes of his own series here, make him out to be a weakling, you kind of have to have an explainable reason why. Yeah, I think that is that's a fair critique. And to me, it's it's less the the Mongol fight or even the Draga fight, because I think obviously in the Mongol fight, he's throwing the fight on purpose and the Draga fight, he's sort of trying to reason with Draga throughout most of it. And then finally, when he kind of, you know, is a little bit fed up and feels like he has no choice, he does win that fight. So those ones didn't bother me. He does like get knocked unconscious by lasers a lot in this episode. (laughs) um by mongols various robots and 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 guys um so i think that's maybe the the weakest that those ones were what felt pretty cheap to me like yeah i mean like obviously in superman the animated series they made a conscious choice to show that like yeah lasers and electricity and like big explosions and fire and stuff can hurt him and that he isn't this completely all powerful being that maybe we see in certain comics or in some of the movies or whatever. Um, but yes, this is, this did seem to go to another level and you, it's one of those things where, well, you have to have a reason why Superman just can't fix this by kicking everyone's butt. So we make him maybe as weak as we've ever seen him in this episode, which that's a problem. My my personal biggest problem with this is the John and Shaira subplot. <laughs> like, I'm fine with the idea of them being sort of argumentative and being frustrated. And they're, you know, they're still new teammates at this point in the series. So they haven't gelled together. Like, none of that is wrong or bad on paper, especially when we know sort of where their relationship goes later on. But like, they're so 
Like they're so busy arguing that they get double crossed by this guy who is obviously go- trying to double cross them. And it's not like the guy presses the button right away. He slowly like raises the thing and they're too busy yelling at each other to even notice. Um, so I was like, I feel like it's one thing to have an episode about, okay, they're not getting along. They're frustrated. They're both the, have these hot tempered and they're both sort of these various versions of like space cops. So it's like the unlikely partnership and they're, you know, they each have a different way of playing. You know, they all have their, both have their own rules that they play by and whatever. Like there's nothing wrong with that story in theory, but they're so stupid in this episode. Yeah. And then it's, and they're just getting they get like guys are getting the drop on green lantern and hawk girl in this episode that just shouldn't. And then like hawk girl appeared to be about to murder the one guy on the junk planet and green lantern has to stop her um i don't know maybe at this point they hadn't established how powerful the mace was although later in this episode she is able to knock the laser blast from the death star cannon back into its back into the gamut completely repel the blast with one swing of her mace so uh yeah i don't know i i didn't appreciate that like we've talked about the other stuff again i can i can kind of explain away the jean stuff they do give you as lame as it might be a reason why he can't use his full powers they don't give you a great reason for why Superman seems to be so depowered. And then on top of that, the only other two Justice Leaguers are just so profoundly unlikable and and foolish in this episode. And like only by happenstance do they not get stranded on a rock for the rest of their lives because it just happens to be that they got dumped on the same planet that Drago was on. It's just like... Yeah, I don't know. Like, and I and I like I do like that sort of message at the end where it isn't just Superman kicks everybody's butt and and wins, like that he he sort of lets Draga take this take this fight and and quote unquote reclaim his honor and then sort of imparts that wisdom on him. Like I appreciate that part of 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 it from like a Superman character perspective, but just overall, this is not uh you know the sum of its parts is not stronger than the whole here. And uh, I ended up with a very low plot score of four out of 10. My goodness. Uh, Sub 500 there. That's uh, we're less than 50% score there. It's been a while since we've had one of those. Uh, Yeah. I went uh, just a tick higher. I went five out of 10. It's um, it, it's not a great overall episode. Like we said, I think you make your strongest characters look inexplicably weak um, say what you want, not disagreement or alarm worthy, but I, I think that even, even in that fight against Draga, he looks weak in victory and you can say what you want. He doesn't explain that he's holding back or, you know, some of the things that we understand that he does, you know, normally. Um, but man, just, you make your strongest hero look weak if you had just said that he, he didn't want to, he was still concerned about Jean or maybe Mongol didn't want him to win. So they, they use Jean as a, as a tool to make Superman uh, again, hold back and not want to win or something like, I, I don't know, have some reason for him to look weak. And then again, I, I, I totally agree with you. I think having John and Shaira, your two heroes that are bickering too much to be observant uh, accidentally stumble upon the solution to the issue doesn't do anything for their characters either. So yeah, I, it's a, it's a rough episode to appreciate from a plot standpoint all the way around, which is, 
which stinks because this episode is actually a it was adapted from a series of of Superman comics, um, you know, and so I, I imagine that the originals probably didn't have these supporting casts in there. So you pretty much had the freedom to kind of uh, arrange the, the supporting cast how you desired. And you this was the option that you chose to do is to make everybody look like either idiots or super, super weak. <laughs> and uh, yes, not 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 great for a show that's literally designed to make you cheer and root for your heroes. <laughs> yeah. And again, like I, I again, there's a way to do this story in a way that makes sense where you just I think may, or maybe you introduce the planetary weapon earlier and that's why superman kind of stands down from trying to escape the the prison and stuff like there's other ways to get to superman sort of being captured or reluctantly agreeing to the fight that isn't him being knocked out by like two laser blasts or whatever so you know yeah like i said and i and i think even the john shire stuff like if that's if that's played a bit more comedically I think it could have also worked maybe a little bit better, but it's not like it's played played pretty straight. Like it's played like this is this big serious argument as they're arguing and the, the, the partition slides up and the gas knocks them out. It's like, yeah, no, you're just this played is like this big dramatic moment and not like this sort of like comedic bumbling <laughs> buddy cop thing. Maybe if they had played it more for laughs, it would have been better there, but yeah, overall, like I said, it's not the worst episode we've ever reviewed. It's or from a plot standpoint, and um, you know, I do have some affection from it from like a nostalgia point of view. But yeah, not uh, not a great uh, not a great episode from a plot standpoint. Anyway, all right. Well, let's move on to our next category, Liam, which is going to be animation and visuals. Man, I hope we have some some good stuff to talk about here to uh, perhaps rescue our scores from a slow start here, but. Uh, what did you think of visuals for the episode? Um, I thought there was some definitely some things to enjoy. Uh, I, brutality in the fights, obviously, I think is one of the things that uh, that stands out. Maybe not the most brutal of the fights we have here, but when you have two superpowered behemoths going at it uh, with multiple battles in a in a place literally called war world i think it uh i think i think it sets you up for some pretty fun visuals uh at least that i enjoyed what did you think about visuals this week yeah i think there's some really good stuff as far as i like the look of war world it's the sort of you know not no pun intended like this war torn area the 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 arena that the gladiators fight in is like this completely hollowed out like looks like bombed out like decimated city that they're fighting in just the ruins of i think there's you see like weapons left behind and you know blown out buildings with no windows and all that kind of stuff and and debris everywhere so i, I like that look of it i like the look of the uh you know the, the coliseum and everything where mongols sort of standing holding court as they're uh, they're introducing draga in, in the first part and everything i like the draga design he does kind of look like uh, a brunette doomsday um which I, I thought was interesting he looks there is a draga in in superman comics but he looked quite a bit different um but this one he just kind of looks like uh you know doomsday dyed his hair yeah, yeah, it was it was an interesting choice for the for the look of him. A Mongol uh, does retain his his 
pretty much straight up his uh, his look from the comics, uh, maybe with a slight uh, different different coloration on his suit. But generally speaking, he looks pretty good. Um, the aliens, I was a little bit disappointed we didn't get some more cameos from aliens. We talked about that, I believe, in the Blackest Night episode that, uh, you know, this is a place where you could have snuck in some cameos or maybe some different um, you know, the more classic DC comics aliens that we're familiar with, you know, some of the, the ones that make up the Green Lantern Corps or uh, other alien races that you're familiar with, or even some, um, you know, some nods or odes to different Marvel uh, comics as, as the creators were known to do from time to time. But we didn't really get much. There were some shared. Uh, there's the one ponytail dude that I think is the guy that is in... He's one of the bounty hunters, I think, in the Lobo so. episode. Yeah. yeah, he makes another appearance. Um, I think he also made an appearance in Blackest Night as well. Um, but yeah, um, there's there's one shot of like a green. I think it's the near the end of part two of like a green alien with big uh, big antenna, uh-huh. which I think is ambush bug. Uh. Um, he doesn't have the like the yellow around the eyes like ambush bug does, but I don't I couldn't like they cut they cut to this guy and he like stands up and shakes his fist and he's very unique compared to some of the other uh some of the other guys okay very interesting. so i think i think that might be uh that might be one uh, little little cameo that we get in that episode but yeah other than that i didn't i think there's there's like the weird little alien that jean kind of befriends during the, the first fight it's very slimy. Um, reminds me of the girl, the lady from Monsters Inc. A little bit. <laughs> oh, good call. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, so I think there's some there's some fun in the, in the creature designs. Uh, the robots, the like the floating robots that shoot Superman a couple of times throughout the episode and nearly kill him uh, at the cliffhanger of part one and the beginning of part two. Uh, Brainiac should sue because <laughs> those are those are like straight out of Little Piece of Home and pro- maybe even. There might even be one of those in Last Son of Krypton Part One. Yeah, like, but it's, it's like the same exact thing. It's like a, an upside down triangle with little robot arms on it. It doesn't have the Brainiac symbol, obviously, but very similar design. So if I don't know if there's anything proprietary about that look, but Brainiac should should consider his legal options going forward. It's there's, no. there needs to be a super villain lawyer that just <laughs> you know that deals with gimmick infringements like this, like I you know. That. I love it. You know. Yeah, we'll have to, you know, let, we can talk to the creators and figure out, you know, who that person would be uh, if there's an existing existing villain that would love to take up that role. Maybe Ultra Humanite. He seems smart enough to yes. be, uh, to be uh, able to defend and or sue people. But uh, yeah, some of the other the other visuals that I really actually enjoyed. I thought that the the scenes, uh, both in the initial part after Superman is initially captured, uh, he's placed in this cell. And then uh, I think at the beginning of, uh, well, the second scene in part two after Superman and uh, and, and Drega are uh, recaptured by Mongol and dropped again in this prison cell. The lighting in those in those scenes, I thought, were really great. There's a uh, mm-hmm. light coming sort of the, the light direction is sort of coming from. Uh, in front of them and it casts a shadow across them the shadow work I thought was done really well um, in both of those scenes I, th- I thought they stood out uniquely um, because there's it looks like the sun is rising in in through or shining through the through the jail cells there so I, I thought they were lit really well and were a different visual than we're typically used to I, I feel like because most of the stuff 
um, you know, we see takes place at night or out in space or in, you know, mm-hmm. in these other, these other planets. So uh, it was a different visual that broke up sort of some of the grays and the darks uh, that you see throughout the, the actual fights taking place. But I think the brutality and the, the fights actually between Superman and Draga and Superman and Mongol were the standouts uh, for the majority of it, because we get so much physical violence, fist to face fist to stomach fist to head slamming pieces of of strangulation at one point yeah strangulation um i will say that the the, they do show the part where draga brands himself with this hot molten s that he crafts Mm -hmm. out of metal the garbage planet uh that was something again this is stuff that i feel like you would never have seen had this been on a you know on a regular children's uh cartoon on on standard television so you know the creators taking taking a little bit of having a little bit of leeway to work with uh, some of uh, what they could show having this on cable um you know with with a little bit uh different less uh scrutiny I, i guess maybe from the standards and practices allow them to kind of really show the brutality of this so it makes the the battle seem uh like the stakes are there even though again the plot may have let down sort of what you're trying to surmise between this um i thought that that the fights uh you know the fights sort of picked up the slack where uh the the plot may have let things down a little bit and i i will say the last thing that stood out to me um other than the death death star slash kirby cannon looking a little bit like the uh the hall of doom uh, from the super friends, it had the same shape to it, kind of like that half helmet with the, uh, the lip sticking out of it. But, um, as, as Jean impersonating, uh, Mongol enters and then sort of whatever happens with his powers where he's not able to hold the Mongol form, there's this transition back into Martian Manhunter where you get this weird sort of phasing between, his Mongol, uh, his Mongol look back into his Jean look. Mm-hmm. And I thought that the transition was done really, really well, uh, very well animated uh, here for the episode. But uh, for all those reasons, I, I really actually did think that the, the, the overall uh, um, visuals and animation were, were pretty strong for the episode. Um, we do have, I, I guess we should mention also early on, this is early on in season one. So Superman does have that, weird defined cheekbones that they eventually did away with. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I thought that the visuals were probably uh, one of the strongest elements of the entire episode. I think the fight scenes work really well. And I think those three punches that Draga gets to deliver to Mongol at the end uh, really put the exclamation point on the visuals for the episode. So I went with a pretty strong eight out of 10 for visuals. What about you? Nice. Yeah, I'm actually right in that same uh, same exact line there. Eight out of ten. Um, I really liked the um, a lot of the like the the use of the camera moving around that sort of in all of the the gladiator fights, they have these sort of floating cameras that move around the the arena as as the fight goes on. And the a couple of times they sort of cut to the you know the crowds watching on the screen and you sort of see the 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 camera moving and sweeping around and you know, there's one shot of, of Mongol sort of taking, you know, and, and Draga fighting where you sort of, as they're, as they sort of move into a new location, the camera sort of sweeps and moves with them. And it looks like one continuous shot, which I'm sure is not an easy trick to pull off in animation. So I thought that was really impressive. There's a, a shot when, when Draga sort of first enters the battle where you don't quite see what's going on, but you see 
Mongol was sort of Superman down on his feet. And then you sort of see him look back towards the camera and then you see something hit him. And then, you know, it cuts back to the, to the actual, uh, you know, arena where it's happening. And you see that Draga has kind of entered the fray and is about to attack Superman. So I really like some of the, the different camera tricks and stuff that they use. Once again, the, uh, the director on this one was Butch Lukic and animation was by Coco. So yeah, I thought they, I thought, yeah, as you mentioned, the, the violence and the, and some of the kind of the cool sort of epic uh, tricks they use then. And uh, as uh, as much as we kind of poked a little fun at it in our, our plot department, it's pretty freaking cool when Hawkgirl goes up and just smacks the laser bolt back down into the cannon and it blows up. Yeah, like that's one of those things. That's one of those like nerd fanboy like reptilian brain things that I saw that and went, ah, oh, that's cool. Like <laughs> that was really neat. Yeah. Yeah. That was, was, was pretty awesome. A good shot there. And uh, it's funny that you mentioned the the camera with a sweeping shot. The one, the one thing that I actually really appreciated was that such a minor detail is when they keep cutting back to the, the view from the, the, the arena and the fans watching mm-hmm. on the screen is there's like the, this little, little film that they put over the, the footage that they're watching. So it, yes. makes it looked like they were watching an actual screen. There's sort of like a flashing effect that they put over there with a little bit of film, but just the attention to detail to that was just something, something small that they did to make, make you kind of feel like you're literally in that world. But yeah, some, some pretty strong visuals this week for, uh, for us here. All right, Liam, Absolutely. let's move to our next category. That's going to be music. Uh, so uh, this week we did have a, a few, uh, speaking of fanboy moments, like a, a few moments that I felt uh, were fanboy worthy uh, for, throughout the episode, but overall, a lot of, a uh, lot of meandering and background music for the majority of it. Uh, what did you think of uh, the music for this week? Yeah, the, I didn't have a ton of notes. I think that opening scene where they're where they're on the asteroid, there's kind of some, you know, that kind of space odyssey music um, that we're kind of accustomed to that kind of brings you in with sort of the softer strings and and then sort of as the uh, the tension builds and as they they are trying to get out of the way of this explosion and you sort of get the the percussion and then some of the horns brought in there. I thought that was that was good. And then yeah, you have that sort of a classic season one uh a justice league fight music going on but yeah the the big the big notes are and and there's a couple of them but uh i think the the fight scene actually it's kind of the first big action beat we get is uh superman goes looking for jean he finds that he is sort of being about to be fed to this giant alligator thing uh-huh and uh and uh superman proceeds to fight with it sort of keep it from eating eating jean or any of the other people sort of strewn across the uh the little river bank that it's housed in and uh and during that sort of we get this moment where it looks like all hope is lost and superman has in fact been eaten by this thing but then uh, as as it reveals that he is, in fact, triumphant, we also get a, a pretty nice little uh, musical nod there as well. Superman. place is starting to get on my nerves come on that's right we get shirley walker superman theme uh, heroically as uh and yeah i can't believe i failed to mention the giant alien crocodile looking things in our visual <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, that scene is pretty interesting because you you see the crocodile sort of devour Superman and John is sort of just waiting there on the edge of the edge of the water, sort of wondering what has happened to Superman. Clearly, he hasn't known Superman that long to know that uh, Superman has uh, has more than once broken out of the jaws of of a of a uh, <laughs> of a creature uh, to escape. So uh, the fact that he's able to do so. But that uh, that 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 Shirley Walker theme uh, triumphantly sort of ringing through there was the moment that I was talking about the sort of fanboy. And then there's a, uh, as Superman sort of gains popularity in part two, they show this young man who's running around uh, the town spray painting the Superman logo across uh, the village. And that's kind of where Mongol gets the idea that he needs to knock Superman back down a few pegs. And um, you, you, through that, you kind of hear the, the Shirley Walker theme in the background a little bit as well. But that was one of the things that we talked about, that having those little musical cues to kind of call back to those characters really sets and cements that these characters are the same ones that you've uh, been watching for years and years. So anytime that they did show up and those themes ended up playing, uh, which were not very men- many from my recollection, but the times that they did show up were really impactful. Um, the rest of the music, I think the the music for the final scene, also the fight between Superman, Mongol, and then uh, when Draga shows up, there's uh, there's a lot of tension that that is built there. Uh, the atmosphere there, it's it's pretty a heavy sounding, tense. Uh, tense sounding music that in- increases the uh, the excitement for just what the culmination of that scene is going to be. But uh, the rest of the music, I-, I felt like just sort of lingered in the background, some good scene setting music, uh, the fight scene between uh, John Shaira and these aliens that they stumble upon when they're dropped off on the, on the garbage planet also um, uh, were, was fine also, but um, I think the music also, I, I did get a little bit of goosebumps uh, with combination of music and the delivery between, again, Draga and in that final three punches that he delivers to Mongol. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that the music playing that sort of triumphant uh, victory as he's sort of now now sort of been freed from this tyranny uh, that, that Mongol has, has been ruling over him for uh, for who knows how long that, that I felt punctuated that scene pretty well as well. Um, but overall, I, I think music just is okay this week. I think the Shirley Walker bits uh, maybe bumped up my, my score by a point or so, but I ended up giving a six out of 10. What about you? <laughs> yes. I uh, also uh, not shockingly uh, <laughs> gave it a six out of 10. Yeah. I think I definitely think the, those nods to, to Superman themes past certainly bumped it up. I think the, uh, again, something you mentioned that was very strong in the visual department, but when, when uh, Draga pulls the the iron out of the fire and bends it into the the S and then presses it against his chest and burns him, uh, there's there's some pretty good dramatic music there and and then uh, sort of as he's he makes his escape as he as he knocks Green Lantern out and then sort of falls down towards the city at one point when when they first arrive on World World I think there's some there's some good uh, sort of uh, dramatic music there as well so yeah nothing uh, nothing all time great by far but uh, another very good and and serviceable job by uh, by the great Lolita Ritmanis Amen All right well, then let's move on to our final category this week which is going to be our voice acting uh, we have a pretty pretty large cast here with a lot of familiar names, especially with uh, with our, our Justice Leaguers and, of course, the big baddie for this week. But, uh, yeah, let's talk about our voice cast this week. That's right. So we have a, a few to talk about here. I will talk some of the, the minor players here. 
we have a uh, David Paymer as uh, as the kind of the right hand man of Mongol. I think they refer to as Chancellor at one point, um, who I only really bring up, and I should have brought this up in visuals, but he looks like Shriek. He looks like <laughs> uh, Shriek when he's not wearing the mask. Like I think it's just the soul patch and sort of the sad eyes, but uh -huh. it, it looks like it looks like alien uh, alien Shreve. Uh, <laughs> That's good. So I thought. But yeah, he has sort of this minor role as this sort of sniveling guy who sort of whispers in, in Mongol's ear. But uh, yeah, uh, elsewhere in the cast, playing a few of the different aliens, including, I believe, the one who uh, gasses Hawkgirl and Green Lantern and dumps them on the garbage planet. We have uh, Ian James Corlett, who I will just mention as uh, he was, he's done a lot of voice acting work over the years, but perhaps most famously uh, voiced Goku on the original English dub of the Dragon Ball Z cartoon. Uh, yeah. Eventually that was replaced when a different uh, English uh, animation company, I think got the rights to do the dubs. Later on, he was replaced and his uh, his episodes were redubbed. I think that's uh, that's a point of contention in the in the Dragon Ball Z uh, fandom is, is which uh, which version of the dubs uh, you prefer if in fact you uh, you go with the dubs and not the subs of course but uh, <laughs> yes that's uh, so I thought that was worth uh, noting just for a, uh, a big time voice actor voiced him for a long time before they ended up uh, replacing him when the uh, I guess the rights changed over but funny to see uh, an actor of that stature in that uh, in that sort of minor role there but we actually see that quite frequently and I think in Andrea Romano uh, produced uh, or directed uh, voice performances will always see actors coming in to play a little bit parts, even if they're uh, a little bit bigger or could demand a bigger role by this point. But uh, uh, playing, uh, playing Draga, we have a man named Will Smith, not that one. <laughs> um, no, uh, this William Smith, actually, I believe is what he goes by. He goes by his full uh, government name, but uh, folks might know him from Red Dawn, the uh, the original, um, and as well as several other uh, movies and, and television and, uh, and as well as voice work. So I like his Draga. And I think even though it's like the voice has this really gravelly rasp to everything he says, I feel like he does a pretty good job of like still conveying good emotion you sort of see him at first as just sort of this this gladiator character and then once he's sort of been defeated he's sort of pleading with superman to end him so that he can die with honor and then you know he has you know this line about you know dump me like somewhat so much garbage will you or something like that and when he sort of makes the vow to to get back and and to fight superman and then as you mentioned already cal in uh, in plot there's uh, that that final moment when he sort of unleashes on mongol i think he does a great job no he's mine Regret that, Draga. Keep your guard up on the left. This is for my people! 
but this is for my humiliation. And this is for justice. doesn't deserve the honor he's great yeah it, and it's interesting because i didn't remember remember the voice being that uh memorable <laughs> i didn't yeah. remember it being memorable that's <laughs> <laughs> but that's why i didn't remember it being memorable but it actually is it's extremely unique and i think it gives the character uh for lack of a better word a lot of depth and and character to him um it makes him makes him stand out unique and where you otherwise may have selected uh something with a voice modulator where you deepened the voice or made him seem like a hulking behemoth uh, he's so he, like you said he so, has this battle-hardened, gravelly, older, worn-down warrior-type feel to him, um, but is still an imposing uh, figure in the way that he delivers his lines. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, whatever whatever he chose to do with his voice to deliver it, assuming that it wasn't completely his natural voice, whatever, you know, things that he did to, to sort of spice up uh, the way that he delivered his lines, I think were really effective. And, you know, you really feel the passion in the way that he delivers things. And it's not, it doesn't feel like he's reading things off. And when he, you know, after he's dumped off the garbage trowel and he's, as you mentioned, swearing his revenge on Superman, you know, I, I thought that was, that was a really good line. And then you take that in uh, the, the final line again against Mongol. And then even the little, little dialogue that he has at the end with Superman, where, you know, he, he's sort of searching for where his honor is going to come from, knowing that he didn't, didn't find his honor in battle uh, through his death. And, and he and Superman have that little moment. I thought that that was, that was just a, a nice little chemistry uh, between the two of them. You know, George Newbern and him seem to have, have some good chemistry in, in the way that they delivered their lines. And it, he's really, really good. It's, you know, I would have liked to have seen him perhaps in other roles uh, if he's able to change up his voice a little bit. It seemed like uh, he was he was born to kind of deliver some of these these uh, these lines and his voice acting skills are, are cle- clearly on on display here for this episode, at least. Absolutely. Yeah, it was a really great performance, like I said. And I think sometimes when you have that much of a voice put on, we have this this, you know, growly grass, you know, raspy, you know, gravelly voice that it would be easy for kind of all of the lines to kind of become a little bit monotone and just kind of said because you're so focused on on this unique voice that you kind of lose some of the emotion in it. But there's a great range of emotion on display by uh by Mr. Smith in this episode. So a tremendous job by him. Um, And uh, last, before we get to our main Justice Leaguers, we of course have Eric Roberts as, uh, as Mongol, who of course we have talked about as, as we said, we had uh, reviewed his other appearance in Justice League Unlimited previously to this. But uh, while he doesn't have as, uh, you know, as deeply a personal uh, back and forth with Superman, I really, really love uh, one is when he, uh, uh, shouts long live democracy at the beginning of part one. That's really funny. Um, and then uh, my, my other favorite part, I think is uh, just that scene of where, you know, Superman is sort of in his office or his palace or whatever it is. And, and Mongols kind of slowly explaining to him that, you know, we're going to have this one last fight and you're going to, and you're going to lose 
lose to me and sort of explaining as silly as as we've talked about as the sudden uh you know jack kirby-esque death ray uh showing up out of nowhere is at that point in the in the episode i think his he's just so slimy and so and such a just such a great foil for this very earnest and good man in superman that i i think he does a a very good job even if all of his material isn't uh, a plus stuff no i think he's really great he is slimy he's just a terrible like he just plays the villain so so well every line that he delivers makes you want to punch him in the face and you know makes it all the sweeter when superman at the end um i love when when they start fighting initially and he's sort of taken aback that superman is putting up a fight and pulls him in and says what are you doing and superman says making it look believable uh which i love because then superman gets to get some some offense in in the fight and then uh, obviously, when he gets his comeuppance at the end, it makes everything that much sweeter. Uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a great performance, and uh, again, it's a shame we only get uh, one additional performance from this character, really, from for the rest of the series. But uh, he's a uh, he's definitely a, a memorable voice and uh, somebody that was born to not only play this role, but uh, voice acting certainly is something one of his strengths and one of the things that he was born to do. Yeah, it's, I was thinking of like ways we could have worked him back into the series later on. And I was like, you could have gotten like him and Roulette teamed up for some sort of like intergalactic fight club or something um, or some, something else where he goes back to being a like a fight promoter um, or something like that. I think there's there's okay. something in there. Yeah, something, <laughs> something in there. I would I would have loved to see this character brought back just if if for no even if the reason for bringing him back was a little flimsy, just because of uh, how much I enjoy Eric Roberts' performance as as Mongol in these in these episodes that we reviewed. But yeah, he's he's tremendous, and of course he is off uh, mostly other than his uh, you know sort of his sidekicks. He is bou- bouncing off a little bit of William Smith as Draga, but of course he's bouncing off uh, George Newbern as Superman. As I said that scene between them where where mongols sort of instructing him to take the fall and even some of their like sort of quiet banter that they have during the first part of the fight where you know mongols reminding him that uh, you know a whole planet rests on your shoulders here and and then superman tells him, you know george Newburn superman tells him that uh, you know he's, he's going to make it convincing before he takes the fall and and sort of, you know, gives Mongol a little bit of a beating before uh, letting Mongol kind of take over there. So I think there's some really good stuff from George Newbern. Again, we've talked about it a lot. The plot sort of lets down a lot of a lot of this episode, uh, which is, you know, somewhere between good to very good, I think, in a lot of our, our at least our other two categories so far. But yeah, you have, I think you have a good performance from from George Newbern. You have, of course, Carl Lumbly's Martian Manhunter, who doesn't get a lot to do. But, uh, you know, he's he's of course, he's this chanting of Superman is legendary. That's that's pretty good. That's pretty good. (laughs) That was my like coming into this. If I remember nothing else from this episode after not having seen it for probably the better part of a decade, uh, I would remember uh, Carl Lumbly and Martian Manhunter shouting Superman over and over again as the, the rest of the crowd chimes in. No, the Kryptonian won. Don't you want to see him fight again? I gotta admit, he's a real champ. He's more than that. He's a Superman. (sighs) What? Still alive? 
You're tougher than I thought, Kryptonian. But I doubt you'll survive another blast. Take your best shot. Guards! Superman! 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 If you execute him now, it might not go over too well. Fine. The people have spoken. But uh, yeah, and then we have uh, we have Phil Lamar as Green Lantern and Maria Canales Pereira as as Hawkgirl. Um, yeah, like I said, I, I really didn't enjoy their, their little subplot as much as I am, you know, I do enjoy a lot of the later stuff that they do with Hawkgirl and Green Lantern. They just come off as so like foolish and unlikable. And and that's not, again, that's not the actor's fault. Like there's nothing wrong with their performances here. Like I think the scene where they're in the the cramped spaceship and they're arguing and, and like an old married couple where, where Green, you know, Green Lantern's kind of taking the side of the alien and all girls like, Oh, I'm wrong again. And all that, like there's some, there's some well-delivered lines in there, but I just think the material for the rest of the leaguers minus George Newburn, not super strong, but they, you know, they do their best. Yeah. I don't think it, they worked with what they could with the material. I actually think again, you're late. You're supposed to be laying the groundwork for this budding romance between the two of them. So if you're really trying to set, set up the audience to not believe that these two have anything, (laughs) any sort of uh, sexual tension between the two of them, because they're so uh, opposite and not, and and at each other's throats, I thought that they communicated that pretty well. Uh, You know, they may not have had the material uh, to, to work with that, that made their characters look uh, very, very strong, but I feel like that they, they did with, they did the best with what they had. (laughs) <laughs> yeah absolutely uh so so for all those reasons like i said it's not a a lot of our leaguers are maybe a little bit hard done by the material but overall i still think it's a pretty darn strong voice performances on the backs of george newburn eric roberts and uh, william smith as Strega. so uh, i ended up settling on a pretty strong eight out of ten for my voice score nice i think between um eric roberts and and william smith um, I, and, and then their interactions with George Newbern, I thought it was strong enough uh, to give a nine out of 10 for me. Um, I think it's nice. It's, it's really great. And I think Eric Roberts, uh, is again, knowing that he comes back in that episode, uh, you know, for the man who has everything and his performance continues to be, uh, just absolutely diabolical. Like you just want to see him. He communicates so well to be able to be the guy that you want to see get his tail handed to him. Like mm-hmm. you want to see him get his ass beat. Like that's that's your goal at the end of the, <laughs> the episodes. You just want to see this slimy guy get his ass beat. Um, so yeah, and thankfully we we get to see that in both episodes that he's in. So it's uh it, it's uh, it's a strong performance. I love it. All right, Liam. Well, that will begin to wrap us up. For our episode here, uh, coming up with our final scores here, I end up with a a very middle of the road, 28 out of 40. What about you? And I had a uh, kind of, again, a middle of the road, similar to you, not too far off from yours, but a a 26 out of 40. 
All right. Well, I feel like this is going to be a short conversation here, but when it comes to rewatchability, <laughs> we already talked about the episode itself not being great from a plot standpoint um, as far as the characters are concerned. However, I guess the argument could be made because you're you're this is the laying the groundwork for the Shaira Hawk Lantern or whatever you want to call it, whatever their relationship shippers uh, call their relationship. So <laughs> um, this is the groundwork for that. So is this something you would say is is a mandatory watch? A, a necessary watch based Maybe. on the sole fact that there's <laughs> some backstory for the relationship between Shira and John. I think that, and it being a villain who comes back in, and again, they don't necessarily reference a lot of, of this episode in for the man who has everything, but there is a, an offhanded mention that, you know, that Superman had humiliated Mongol previously. Um, so there is some subtext there. And then, as you said, there's the, uh, the, of course, the, the budding Green Lantern Hawk girl romance. Yeah, I don't I wouldn't give this a thumbs up from a like enjoyment standpoint. I didn't hate this episode. I don't think either of us did. Um, but I wouldn't this is not one I think one because I saw it so much when I was younger. So I I did remember quite a bit of it. And then also I, you know, I didn't I didn't enjoy it from a plot standpoint enough that I could see me going back to this. And and as as much as I did like some of the visuals, I liked the vocal performances. Uh, so I wouldn't say I would go back to this from an enjoyment standpoint, but I do think it gets at least it gets the one thumb up in that it does have some some sort of continuity and, and future storyline building between, you know, Superman and Mongols rivalry and then the, the Hawkgirl John Stewart romance. So, yeah, I think this gets at least one thumb up for for the rewatchability. Based on our scores alone, I don't think that I would have thought that at the beginning of that. But you make a you make a very strong case uh, for this being a mandatory <laughs> mandatory watch. Um, I will say, I will say yes. I give it the old one thumb up, uh, <laughs> maybe half a thumb. Like I feel like I feel like the Orange Cassidy like, thumbs up. Yeah, right, right. I feel like you could you could kind of like figure things out if you had to to better understand. You could just kind of figure out that mongol superman fought mongol at one point uh for the man who has everything and and like just jump in in one of the later episodes of justice league to figure I was gonna out say. The hawk lantern romance but and, and to your point we reviewed the the second episode like over a year ago uh <laughs> and didn't didn't need that to enjoy that episode or didn't didn't really need to go back and revisit war world for context of of mongol you can just you they give you enough of that he's this you know this alien despot that's come for revenge on superman so yeah i, I don't maybe the mongol stuff is a weaker reason i think it gets at least i think it gets a, it does have some th this is the beginning of some threads that come back later on in, in this series and in in the sequel series in, in jlu so i think i think i gotta stick with my one thumb thumb up even if i don't think it's a particularly spectacular episode uh, all around all right well uh this is the part where we ask people for their feedback so um yeah if you think we'd love to hear your thoughts on them uh give us a give us your feedback at dcau review on twitter or at dcau review on instagram comment on our post this week or shoot liam a tweet and let us know where you fall you can also interact this will be our question of the week uh, for our spotify listeners you can interact with us if you go on the spotify app 
Uh, there are a couple questions that we post every single week, so you can interact with us that way if you listen to us on Spotify. Uh, if you listen to us on one of uh, your other favorite podcast apps and they let you give a review, we would love for you to give us a five-star review, um, write a little blurb about us, let us know what it is that you enjoy about the podcast. And uh, of course, don't forget, you can also subscribe to us on YouTube via the Pod Tower. Just search Pod Tower on YouTube and give us a like and a subscribe for our videos there. We'd much appreciate that. You get your content delivered to you via YouTube. And uh, you also get content from our friends at the Watchtower database and Tim Talk. So uh, Tim Talk is also currently reviewing Justice League Unlimited. So you can check out uh, their their podcast while you're over there as well. Liam, uh, we will continue on here in the month of December with our Justice League reviews. What's the episode that we'll be covering next week? That's right. We have a another season one episode or pair of episodes coming up, and uh, this one will feature a the debut of another uh, classic DC DC hero making his debut in the DC animated universe. That being Metamorpho in the aptly titled Metamorphosis Parts One and Two. Interesting. I believe this one we only had part one on tape, so that's uh... my memory as well. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it was always a cliffhanger. You'd watch the episode, enjoy it, and then wouldn't you know it, I didn't know what happened. See, f- kids, before DVDs, this is what our lives look like. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, DVDs look- and TiVo. Yeah. There you go. Looking forward to reviewing this one with you next week, Liam. But until then, I'm Cal. And I'm Liam. And we'll talk to you on the next episode of the DC. Goodbye.